You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Ian, look at this. What, it's a police box. What on earth is he doing here? Hey, these things are usually on the street. I feel it. I feel it, you feel it? Faint vibration. It's alive. At Station Who, a fun mashup exploring over 60 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold on tight. You never know where the crew of the TARDIS is going next. Howdy, Whovians. We're up to week two of the Doctor Who 60th anniversary specials. We are looking at Wild Blue Yonder. And wow, <laughs> it, it <laughs> came across really well. And I'm going to be very excited to talk about this one for you guys. We had David and Catherine back again, and they went to the edge of the universe again. But, you know, that's all. <laughs> Whatever. Story. We'll get there. <laughs> and we have a great, great crew to talk all about it tonight. Of course, let's welcome to the show, Drew Meyer. Well, hi. How's everybody going tonight? Welcome back, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And we also have another returning after quite a long time. Let's welcome Shannon Longmire. Welcome. Hello, everyone. So we have also Mike and Mary, our regulars. Hello. Howdy. They've had their seats at the TARDIS Council for quite some time already. So they're just chomping at the bit to go and talk about this one. And folks, we are going to spoil the hell out of this one. If you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, please, 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 please. You're missing out. It is. Oh, yeah. Please go watch it. Stuff. So definitely watch it. Sign up for yet another streaming service so you can watch it. Exactly. Because yep, you're not putting out enough money already. No, you're not. Nope. nope and nope, Disney nope. doesn't have enough money. So. Not exactly. Yeah. Not this year. They don't have enough golden toilets in the uh in the <laughs> park, you know. So it's right. fun. So definitely, folks, check it out. Um glad to have you all here. It is going to be fun. No real Doctor Who news to talk about. So we're gonna just dive in with the review and you know what? Let's talk about um, the power of Mavity. I think that's where we need to start <laughs> of the episode. The you know, of the situation. Exactly. It's getting very heavy in here. So let's, you know, uh, not worry about, you know, the Mavity of it. So we actually, I love this episode. I, it, you know, after Star Beast, you know, which was very familiar because we've, most of us have read the comic or heard the audios. And, you know, have, you know, met and beep the meep, you know, and it was real interesting to go on a truly story-wise that felt very Russell T. Davies dark mm-hmm. and which was really nice. And, you know, we haven't had a lot of those lately. So, you know, the suspense, you know, the trying to guess what everything was and it was, it was interesting to do. Let's hear some initial thoughts before we get into a lot of detail and stuff. We'll start with our guests first. Drew, you want to hit first? Yeah, sure. Um, This might have been one of my favorite episodes I've seen in the last couple of years. Uh, I really, Really? this is my kind of Doctor Who episode. Now, I wasn't here to talk with you last week about the Star Beast, but it should be known that the Star Beast, the comic book, was my introduction to Doctor Who in in the early 80s. Really? So, like, that's how I got into Doctor Who was that comic book. So it, it holds a very special place in my heart, and I think they did a tremendous job, and anything they diverged from the original storyline, I think, only made it better. It was a really great show, and I loved it. But this is the kind of story that I like because it's the kind of story that exemplifies how good and creative Doctor Who, when it's firing on all cylinders, can be. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I've watched it three times um, in, in a very short amount of time. And I've enjoyed it. I've learned a little something extra every single time. So, yeah, it's a big, two big thumbs up from me. Cool. Shannon, what about you? 
I really liked it. At first, I thought it was going to go in a different direction when, you know, Newton came up and I was just like, oh, wow, this is great. Uh, but then they went on the spaceship. My first thought was they're at the edge of the universe. And I'm like, restaurant at the end of the universe? What? No, <laughs> it wasn't that. But it was still really cool. Um, I, the first thing I noticed right off was the slow moving rusty robot. So I was like, OK. I can kind of see how this is going in a very different direction than what I had kind of expected from Starbeast, but I still liked it. Watching David Tennant and Catherine Tate play off of each other, that was sensational. Like the nuance and the differences in their facial expression between the two characters that they were playing, I thought went really, really well. And then when they kind of like summed it up and we got to see uh, the Wilford Mott character again, I was just like wanting to hug the screen almost. It was it was a good, it was really really good for me. No, I agree with that. You know, seeing Wilf, I was like, oh, you know, because yes. yes. you know, knowing that this is his last scenes that he filmed before he passed away, yes, it was just like even more so. And I was, I didn't realize, and I'll let's hit it right off the bat. I didn't realize though this was his final scene ever and everything. Mm -hmm. I thought he was, it was, they were going to carry him into the third episode and mm -hmm. with that. Well, they wanted to. Oh, I'm sure they did. Yeah. But he just everything. wasn't, he couldn't film the scenes. No, I know he was very, very, you know, he wasn't ill per se, but he was old, you know, type. Mm -hmm. and so it was, and it was wonderful. Just when they opened the TARDIS door and his face was there, it was just, I just lit up with a smile, especially after the type of episode we had before that. <laughs> it was just like, well, oh, thank God, you know, type thing. <laughs> so, yeah, that was just awesome. Mr. Mike, what about you? I enjoyed it very much. Um, I thought that it was a very, uh, you know, different uh, kind of episode for uh for russell t actually i mean i it had a lot of the elements that we're familiar with but yet it seemed very stripped down uh very uh focused and um and it was kind of a brave choice i mean here we are in the 60th anniversary everybody's expecting you know easter eggs and appearances and all this and Russell T writes an episode where it's just basically um uh, the main two actors and enjoying um and we can enjoy their performances and and i think that luckily and not really luckily because they have skill but um i mean david and Catherine are way up to the challenge so it's 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 fantastic in its execution um uh so i i do agree that uh to me it, it kind of um it's funny Shannon mentioned Restaurant of the End of the Universe because it did sort of have a Douglas Adams vibe to it for me, which is very unusual for a Russell T. Usually, I don't think of him as a as a uh, sort of disciple <laughs> of of uh, of Douglas Adams, and yet you know I I have to admit that it's there here anyway, and uh, I thought it was great, and of course you know the lead into next week's episode with. Um, with Wilf is just like, you know, I mean, how can you not like that? I mean, it's just, it's just great. And it's too bad that, you know, he's not going to be in the next one. I, I, it'd be really interesting to see how they sort of time jump that or whatever they're going to do. But, um, cause yeah, I would like to see, I would like to think that, you know, his estate is getting two episodes worth of revenue. <laughs> just one. <laughs> I totally understand that. Mary, what about you? I love this episode so much. I, I loved Starbeast too, and this one is entirely different. But this one reminds me a lot of Midnight, which is also a Russell T. Davis episode. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's uh, that same sort of horror, claustrophobic kind of feel. Um, and I, it, I think it owes a real debt to the Philip Hinchcliffe era. I can definitely feel that kind of horror vibe in it. Uh, I I just, I feel like Russell T knows how, here, I'll get the Chibnall bashing out of the way right now. 
you know, Chip, Chibnall and, and Russell actually even said this in the behind the scenes on YouTube where he kept getting, because it's a 60th anniversary story, he kept getting distracted and thinking he was going to have to put in a cameo or something, just stuff it in. And he had the discipline to say, you know what? I am not doing that. This is my core idea and I am sticking to it. And it is such a much better story for it. Whereas I often felt Chris Chibnall just kind of didn't have the discipline to edit himself like that. They kind of went all over the place. And so this really shows you how how much better a story is when it's tight and focused. And I applaud Russell T for bringing that back to Doctor Who. I really missed it. No, I understand that completely. And I think they took a few different chances on this episode and literally having a storyline that was literally after the opening bit and all the way till you saw Wilf, it was just Dr. And Donna. There wasn't any other, you know, characters. And, you count the robot. You know, the robot who was hollow inside. <laughs> so, but yeah, and it was, it was interesting with that. And I thought, it reminded me a lot of the Capaldi episode where it was pretty much him by himself. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it reminded me a lot of that. This was in some ways a lot lighter than that episode, but <laughs> there was a lot of tone to it that did remind me of it. And they touched on a lot of different things, including I was really happy to see that they touched on flocks, that they just didn't wipe it under, you know, the mat, as they like to say. And I thought that was pretty awesome. That they, so it doesn't bother you that they kind of confirm the timeless child thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it exists. You know? oh, are we not pro timeless child here at the podcast? <laughs> really, <laughs> really? I mean, it okay. exists. I don't. I don't see why I didn't have a problem with that anyway. Um, so, uh, in fact, you know, I know well, a lot I'm... of people were thinking that you know that uh, they were hoping that the whole Chibnall era would be completely like ignored, Retcon. but I don't, I, you know, I don't think that, that uh, I don't know. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect to see that, I, but I, you know, who knows what they're going to do. So, but I certainly, uh, I don't think that anything is going to be followed up. I don't see Russell T continuing it, but yet acknowledging it is, especially in us in an anniversary special like this, mm-hmm. uh, is something that you know I think is 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 okay. Sure. No, I agree well, with. And especially since it just happened. Yeah, right. Right. But to, but but to put a pin on that, I I I enjoyed that that uh, sequence in the making of as well, Mary, where he said where Russell T was like. You know, I, I just wanted to focus and tell this story and and, it, and good for him, because I, I think sometimes he does and all writers do like have that knack to to want to do more, to add more, to add more instead of just getting to tell the story. Um, although the the two criticisms, one of the two criticisms that I've seen of this this story, this particular episode is that. um and and of the the two so far, actually, is that the people are disappointed that for 60th anniversary specials, they are not doing a very good job of of exploring Pandering or celebrating the, the, the entire yeah the entire like it's not Picard season three um, <laughs> it's it's not there's there's not a lot of fan service but I think I think the celebration is there, but it's not as in your face. I mean, we've already had multiple doctor stories. Why? And we've had, you know, 10 years ago, we had probably the best one that's ever been made and that ever will be made. I like the fact that Russell T is like celebrating the franchise as a whole, but in different ways. Like this episode, while blue younger yonder has never like something like this has never been done before. We've never had just an episode with, the doctor and his companion by themselves, you know, essentially um, uh, throughout a whole episode. And and yet we get to explore that here with these two. And that's, that's pretty special. Um, not to mention story-wise, he goes to a place, the doctor goes to a place that he's never been before, which is, which is pretty special. So there's a lot of things happening here that I think are, are landmark to the franchise, but yes, it's not like, Oh, Hey, um, what is, what is um, Davies say? Like, 
you know, they didn't go down to the vault of the spaceship and find William Hartnell's body. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which would have been funny. I'd like to jump in and, and just bounce off of that, if I may. Sure. I absolutely. think this is perfect for a 60th anniversary because it's doing something that's far more important than giving fan service to people who are already fans. It is introducing new fans to Doctor Who. And it's there doing so by demonstrating how wide of a breadth that storytelling that the show can give us. We've got uh, a really amazing kind of action past. We had battle scenes and many cast members and explosions and aliens and lasers and robots and all sorts of stuff in the last episode. And now we have a creepy two-hander that shows how it's all about character <laughs> drama and how stories can show you both physical horror and existential horror. And these are things that Doctor Who does well because it can. And I think for the thousands upon thousands of people who are just discovering Doctor Who for the very first time via Disney+, Plus, especially in the United States and, and other streaming services all around the world, this is far more important to show how good of a show this can be rather than confusing things and muddying the waters by dropping in. We just had a special a year and a half ago. I mean, technically, if you're just looking at, at the show in a straight line, two episodes ago, we had all the surviving doctors in one episode, basically, mm -hmm. essentially. You know mm -hmm. what? If someone's watching, you know, in chronological order, they're going to get that anyway. And the 60th anniversary isn't over. We still have two more episodes before 2023 ends. We're still in the 60th anniversary. So if I think the problem that a lot of fans, I'm included in this, uh, is that we have these expectations because it has always done it before. It will always do it again. And that's how shows get stagnant. Uh, so I'm, I, for one, had no expectations, and I think I enjoyed it more because of it. I agree with that completely. I can definitely see that because of, you know, you know, they're showing new fans. You know, we can have big, wow, exciting space adventures, you know, with aliens and, you know, guys with guns and everything. And this is the other side of Doctor Who, more cerebral, more, you know, moody more technical and it was really awesome with that and yeah, you know how you know how i think i'm sorry man, real quick no, no, you know how I, I think you know how i think you could best celebrate doctor who by telling freaking good stories like, like exactly like, and that's what they're doing <laughs> <Just> have <good laughs> <writing>. <laughs> like, it's, like yeah you can throw yeah. in fan service if you want but damn it tell good stories <laughs> and, and 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 i think that's exactly what russell t has done this, these two episodes anyway so yeah they might not have like you know all the easter eggs and everything like that that are really in your face but you know what? They're damn good stories. They're damn good episodes. I'm really glad it's back. I'm glad Russell's back. I'm glad David's back. I'm glad, even glad C Catherine's back. You know, this is this is good stuff. And uh, I wouldn't trade it for, you know, some of the ones that they have had with multiple doctors and anniversary specials in the past are terrible. Yeah, but like, they're, they're great. just terrible. So remember, remember, we don't talk about the two doctors on this show. <laughs> <laughs> we are, I think we already did. <laughs> and that was enough. I liked about it was actually I like that the TARDIS and the Sonic Screwdriver together went away for most of the episode. Yes. So David actually had to logic everything out. I'm sorry, the Doctor had to logic everything out in his own mind, and I thought that was freaking brilliant watching that mm -hmm. whole thing progress without mm -hmm. saying, "Oh, I know this language. I know this is going on." But it was very cool to see him do that. And have that yeah. in the center of the story, him working it out, and then the aliens wanting him to work it out so they could use it for their advantage. I thought that was just spectacular. I was like, bravo. <laughs> As an yeah. actor, I and was I, like, that's I, really I great. I love when they, you know, he went to Donna. Don't think. Don't, you know, do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Donna do that. I think that was more torture for her than anything else. <laughs> well, he was the one who couldn't do it. No, of course not. <laughs> this is also the thinkiest we've seen Donna uh, in, on any appearance. Donna's coming up with really intelligent observations left and right in ways that mm -hmm. her character was not portrayed. We get to see that she has um, – both of the characters have matured uh, Donna very intellectually and emotionally, of course. But also um, the 14th Doctor is a far more emotionally intelligent Doctor than the 10th iteration uh, the 10th tenant, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> and, and seeing that kind of interplay where 
Donna isn't simply being the cipher for the audience and asking, why, Doctor? But simply going, oh, look, we can't see the light of the stars. Oh, this is happening between this. She comes up with the idea of what's happening with the uh, the airlock door. Yeah. Donna's a very useful member of this TARDIS team in this. Um, and uh, it was really nice to see. It, it and, also and shows growth in her character, too. Right, and she's not afraid to, like, really, like, stand with that like, no. because like that scene where she says you know why are they why are they uh making us afraid why are they terrorizing us you know why are they making us afraid and and the doctor kind of dismisses it and she doesn't let it go she's like no pay attention to me why like i want to know why this is happening and he's like oh that's a that's a good point like if i actually like, listen hey, to you yeah like that's uh, <laughs> i should yeah i should do that more often <laughs> yeah i i I feel like that this episode actually separates the 14th Doctor more from the 10th Doctor than the last episode did. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel in this episode, we we really start to see him as a a different incarnation. Not not saying that he doesn't still owe a debt to the to the 10th Doctor, but he he's he's much more emotionally available. Mm-hmm. He's much more. Uh, compassionate on the surface uh and you know i like i like to see that i like i like to see that development and that separation rather than just watching david Tennant do the same thing over and over and over again and i thought he did it well this time oh, around. and it was awesome like when the scenes when he was talking to the fake donna and he didn't realize it and you know talking about you know when we said earlier about you know being that you weren't from Gallifrey, that you weren't, you know, that you don't know where you're from and all that. And I thought that was really, really well done because you saw, like Mary just said, his human side. You saw Mm -hmm. that he was very vulnerable. Wait, is he half human? On his mother's side. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, uh, I, but I agree with you, but even more than that, I mean, that sequence is really awesome. And of course, gets all the, you know, get the get the fanboys all up in a row because they're like, oh, my God, he's mentioning Chimmel stuff. Um, but then what I really loved was the scene after that, where we see the doctor, like, exit the room. He's in the hall bay by himself, just by himself. We seldom see this kind of thing with the doctor. And he reacts. He sort of breaks down. He sort of, you know, he... He's mad. He's angry. He's he's upset. He's confused. He's he's letting it all out. He screams. And and we I mean, this is very rare that we get to see the doctor do this. And, um, you know, it, it's because it's in the good hands of someone like David Tennant that could pull this off that that I think we it really means a lot to us that this is like this is a doctor that, yes, he he you know, he's wearing sand shoes still. But, you know, he's got a different, different sort of attitude than, than 10 did. Cause we didn't see this kind of thing from 10 at all. No, agreed completely with that. And it's, it was interesting to see a uh, couple things did take me out of this episode though. I will say where the effects were not that great with this episode. I will say the outside of the spaceship, the probe, amazing. That was just fantastic the inside of the spaceship though looked like really bad cgi and it was pretty obvious that david and catherine were on a treadmill in front of a green screen you know walking down you know supposedly walking through the spaceship and that took me out of it a little bit in some ways not enough to weaken the episode at all but just to give me my one grape for the episode so I you know what they say about people who complain about special effects on Doctor Who. Yeah, I haven't watched Doctor Who. Yeah, and this is like I'm like you know like like if you're if you're not if you're a long time Doctor Who fan and you're not used to bad special effects or even like remotely decent special effects, I, I don't know what to tell you at this point. Oh, <laughs> like I, I, I did... just take what I'm given and I'm like, this looks great. You know, this looks way better than. Like, this is way better than, like, styrofoam walls that move and shake yeah. every time someone raises their fist. I actually oh. thought it looked pretty good. Compared <laughs> to the 70s, yeah, it looks a zillion percent better. But, no, the one thing the effects <laughs> did well was when they had the scenes 
with all four of them in it. You know, those were just really, really well done. And I love the scene when Donna was fighting Donna and everything. That was just awesome. And she said, you know, this is kind of therapeutic in some way. <laughs> and I could understand that. I totally could understand that. So it was, no, it was a lot. There was a lot to have fun with this one. I, you know, and then the ending where, you know, the doctor picked the wrong Donna to, on the TARDIS. Yep. And I was, I, I was like, oh, wow. But then when Judy was watching it with me the second time, she was like, are they going to kill off Donna? You know, and it was just like, <laughs> no. Yeah, at least not that way. <laughs> no, no, that would have been, that would have been the worst thing that maybe had the franchise has ever done. Yeah, no, exactly. It would have been. It would be worse than uh, taking Donna's memory away from her against her will while she's shouting <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Considering these three episodes are essentially just an apology to yeah. that character for that, yeah. killing her off in her second of three appearances would probably not have gone over very well. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But it is interesting that because uh, I was watching this with Michelle and she said, she said, did the doctor take the false one on purpose? And I'm like, he led you to believe that he did, but he did not. No. <laughs> that was, yeah, he wants you to think that, he knew it all the time. That was a mistake because there's no <laughs> way that he would put Donna through that. There's no way. Uh, intentionally. Especially when she saw the flames coming towards her, the emotional yes. part of that scene, I was like, "Oh my god, why?" Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he still tortured her a bit. <laughs> no, exactly, and I loved how you know when he discovered how he used the TARDIS entryway to you know literally dump the other <laughs> to just dump her out. out. <laughs> that was just the awful. move. Right? <laughs> That was very Hogwarts. <laughs> yes, exactly. Actually, very much so. Very, very much so. But it was funny, you know, it's like when they were at the edge of the universe. It's like, yeah, the Doctor, Amy, and Rory did that also, if you remember. So, yeah. So it's not the first time he's been out there. So he just happened to meet the TARDIS out there last time. <laughs> well, it, does, it does make me wonder, because it's kind of a parallel with the Dream World, Dream Lord episode. And it makes me wonder, is is that going to, was that some sort of foreshadowing for what the toy maker is doing? I mean, is all I this was, really happening? I was thinking about that, especially when the TARDIS started playing Out of the Wild Blue Yonder. It was yes, like, yes. It was we played it like, twice. Mm -hmm, exactly. It's like, I've never heard the TARDIS in, what, 60 years play music coming out. Of, <laughs> and it was just like, is this all an illusion maybe, or is it, you know, something that the toy maker is controlling, you know, is yeah. through the whole thing. Through I mean, all it does episodes. really make you wonder if there's an arc going on here. I really well, think there is. Let me ask the group this then in the star beast, at the end of the star beast, um, the meep says, just wait until you meet the boss. Mm -hmm. Is the boss someone we'll see in shooty Gatwa's run. Or is the boss the toy maker? The toy maker. Because I, they've already spoiled it a little bit. And since we've said spoilers at the beginning of this, um, the new poster for the giggle actually has the toy maker and also has Meep in it. And also has the uh, the green guys, too. The green guys? Does it? The Rothwars? Well, <laughs> I hadn't seen yeah. that. That's exciting to hear. Yes. So... So I think we'll probably end up seeing Meep again next week. So that's why I'm thinking everything's tied together, has to be tied together. Well, it makes sense. Way. If you only have three episodes, it, it makes sense to to have them connect. Right. I do think, way. though, that the – and we'll see, but um, uh, someone asked me about the um, the salt and that, you know, they made, a, they made a, a deal about that at the end where he's like, man, I really wish I hadn't done that thing because I I introduced a suspicion to, you know – to at the end of the world where the walls are thin and that could have some ramifications. And, you know, they're like, do you think that'll be in next week's episode? And I'm like, mm, I mean, it's possible, but let's not forget Russell T doesn't mind playing the long game. <laughs> like he doesn't like, he yeah, might have true. an idea for an episode, like along down the line that, that has to do with that. You know, like, I don't know if every, if everything is going to be contained in these specials, 
Um, I mean, it could be, but my money on the, on the, on the, you know, the salt thing would, is probably, that's a long-term game. Yeah. Well, there's the whole Mavity thing too. That makes you wonder if there's something else going on. I, I, yeah, I don't know what to think of the Mavity thing, to be honest with you. It's really silly, but I, and so I'm trying not to take it seriously, but, um, and it doesn't help that, you know, we might as well get into it. The other criticism of this episode is the whole race switch with Sir Isaac Newton. And I, what, normally I don't pay attention to that sort of thing because it just doesn't really, it's just nonsense. But I'm hearing it from people who I was shocked to hear this criticism from. And I, I'm not saying that they have great arguments, but it really seems to mean a lot to them. And I'm I'm sort of uh, like sort of stumped by that. And it's really it kind of really tainted their enjoyment of it. Of it. And I, I don't I don't know. I, I think, as Mary, you pointed out on several occasions, Russell T is not afraid to like make do something to make Stir people the talk. pot. Yeah. yeah, stir the pot as you will. Like, and I think this is this is him stirring the pot. I don't think it it's anything more than that, but who knows? I agree with that. I think you know people are making too much of the race changing and everything. They do it all the time. You know, you know these are well, now they do. Yeah, they do it. Well, <laughs> hello. Do you really? And I'm going to get shit for this. So, do you really think Jesus was white? And has blue eyes and blonde hair. Yeah, I hate to tell you. Yeah, no. (laughs) So, so it's been going on for a long time, folks. So get off your high. Yeah, but it's okay if you're switching it out. It's okay if you're switching it a a person of color out for a white person. If it's the white person taking over, that's okay. If it's the person of color, then it's not. That's what the difference is. This is all about representation and. And a power balance. Mm-hmm. And the fact is that, well, you know, there, there's, let's, there's, it's hard to, to bring equality when there, we've had so many years of inequality. So if one way to do it is to give a person of color actor a, a you know, a role, I don't care. No, let, not let, at all. Let's have some representation. I do not. I mean, and and the whole thing about, but it's a real historical person. It's freaking Doctor Who. <laughs> it's a science fiction show. This is I'm not a get biography. Over it. This is but not the show a, has been you know, so historically accurate up until now. I mean, think about right, it. We know exactly. for a fact that Charles Dickens I mean, fought how ghosts. Did they break that, right? We know exactly. for a, absolutely for a fact Van Gogh stabbed a giant space turkey. I mean, all of these things are historically <laughs> accurate events. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. It's ridiculous to to have this argument. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's ridiculous because I think Russell T wants us to have this argument. Oh, I think he, he absolutely wants us to wants have, us to have, to have it. Yeah. But that's why usually, like I said, usually I don't pay any of this stuff any mind, and I would never bring it up. But um, and 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 give those people credit. But I I I've seen this from a few people that, like I said, are people that I am surprised that this is coming from. Um, they are usually very liberal minded and, uh, I, I'm just stunned. Um, and their rationale is, is, you know, their rationale, but, um, but I, I, I definitely know that it's being done to have this conversation. It's not being done because, you know, just, just because, and, and Russell T would like, would, is loving the fact that people are talking about it because that means people are talking about Dr. Who. Of course. But and it is an important conversation to have. Representation matters. Oh, very much so. Yeah. I'd like to tie it into a narrative, if I may, just to ask the group this. Everyone, it's it's a joke. It's haha. He says Mavity. Uh, and Donna repeatedly says Mavity. Mm-hmm. But then the doctor says gravity. And yep. Donna goes, What? And he goes, Oh, sorry, Mavity. So that that would suggest there's more meaning there. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would. I would hope so. Yeah, because that's you know it's one thing to break the fourth wall for a, a, a you know clever quip, but that's not how Davies writes for the most mm-hmm. part. You know, I, I think both Davies and Moffat sometimes can't stick the landing, and they they can be too clever for themselves. But this doesn't feel like that. This feels like there's something a little bit more. Though after s- seven years of of Moffat at the helm. 
we've all trained our brains to look for every little detail and nitpick in case it has something <laughs> to do with some greater plot point. And again, going back to a much earlier point, our expectations can be misleading and can change the way we we watch a program. But yeah. this doesn't feel like that. It feels like we uh, there's something more to be explored. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he set it up several times, like you were saying. It wasn't just once. Yeah, it wasn't just a one joke thing. It yeah. Was, it was mentioned a few times. And and it does, you know, for those people who are of the opinion that uh, this Doctor and Donna might get their own special series or whatever, go after their own adventures. I mean, it kind of lays the groundwork for that. Yes, because Tenet has so much free time. Yes. Hey, you know, I mean, we're talking about paid work <laughs> that he work enjoys. So, um, you know. So, I, a quick I, question I, for the group. Is um, this a Christmas special? <laughs> no. Are you sure? So, who's floating outside of the uh, the ship? The captain. Right, and yes. was the cap? What was the captain? A horse. Right. So, what's the only thing we see of that horse now? The face. Yes, the skull. More importantly. So, yeah. how much do we know about um, Mary Lloyd? Beta Ray Bill. Okay. Yes. Admittedly, <laughs> that also occurred to me as well, but. In about a week in Wales, the Mary Lloyd celebration is about to occur, where the Welsh go from door to door. So when strangers come knocking on the door of your home, opening the airlock, and present you with a tall figure with a horse's head, it's a Welsh film production company, and they knew when it was going to air. The fact that it have that, I feel like it's the kickoff to a Christmas special um, in a way that I was quite delighted. It's it, Again, there's your little Easter egg. It's not that big of a deal. I just think... I love that Easter egg. That's great. Uh, the yeah, song, it's at least an inside joke. joke. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't even realize that. That's a good point. Yeah. And aesthetically, <laughs> if you look at the ship, it looks like it's designed for a being who doesn't have uh, fingers. It looks like some uh, design for someone who has hooves because everything is all these big, thick, punchy buttons. So nothing is there for finesse, tac- tactile finesse. It's all about mm-hmm. clump, 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 clump. Uh, now, again, I could be completely off base with that, but anytime I, world building is my thing. I, I watch a show and I love to see how the set designers tie in any of that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, maybe I'm completely off base with that one, but I got it quite excited when I I saw that. It's awful fun to speculate about that. Sure, sure. Sure. Very much so. Can I actually bring up a negative of this? And I want to know how the group feels about it. Did you feel that the audio overwhelmed the the dialogue? Some because of it. Yeah. I agree you with You mean that. the music or the yes, sound yeah, effects? Yes, yeah, yeah. The, the music and sound effects. So I had no issue hearing what they had to say when the score was down. But when the music was playing, and I love the score, I'm so happy that Murray Gold is back. Um, mm-hmm. But it felt like it was mixed in a way, both episodes, including the Star Beast and actually some of Jody. So I don't know if this is a UK thing uh, or it's not my television because every well, other it's show an that I watch. Doctor Who thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But did anybody else have an issue have with that? Com- a lot of people have complained about that okay. in the past. We've talked it is, about it that. An, past it is episode. a definitely mm. known yeah. thing that that have uh, riled up the fan base, and I think rightly so because I do think the sound mixing often has problems. And I I often wonder: is it something about the feed we're getting, or is it also that bad? Uh, in the UK broadcast, I don't know. I'm not sure. I haven't done that much research on it, but I have heard lots of people complaining about it. Well, as my many uh, podcasting co-hosts will tell you, I am not a tech person, so I can't answer that question. I just know that um, I had to put on closed captioning for for the second and third viewings so I could understand what was happening. And I, I, I'm glad I did, too, because I think being able to see the words that are being spoken, because it's a really good script with really good dialogue. And I think part of what makes it so good, especially with the ship call, doing the countdown, um, being able to 
understand that from the rest of the dialogue from the music score is is important to the enjoyment of of the story mm -hmm. well, whenever i watch something and i did that for this one too i watched it a second time but whenever i do a second watch i always have the closed caption on because even with american productions uh, but you know with british productions sometimes the accent it whatnot it just is stuff that i'm like i don't I don't understand what they're saying. Um, and I miss a lot of things. So uh, the closed caption helps me with this. I didn't notice um, that big a deal within the sound on this one. I have have noticed it in the past, but not with these two on Disney plus. Um, I'll tell you what, when I got um, uh, Michelle got me a sound bar for my TV last year, and that has helped a lot with issues that I was having before with mixing. Um, it's not a complete, like, you know, um a solution that for everything but it has helped a lot and uh i didn't have as much of a problem with this one but but i did uh especially when when isaac newton was talking about doing things i was like what is he saying like i just i and, but then i looked at the closed caption and i'm like okay i yeah he's talking in a language that i don't that we no longer use so mm -hmm. <laughs> odds bodkins <laughs> yeah, exactly so i was like okay i, I i'm not I, i'm not supposed to know really what he's saying so I know it was fun. It was, it's interesting because yeah, the whole thing with the audio we've talked about multiple times through the Jody era and even the, all of the way as far as back the Capaldi era, we've talked yeah. about audio issues with the show. And I don't know if it's just like we've said, you know, coming over to the States, is it a, you know, is it just a mixing thing? Cause I've watched other BBC productions and the audio is wonderful, you know? So yeah, I think for me personally, it was BBC America. I think when they were on, when they were aired on BBC America, I was having a hard time with the mixing of a lot of those episodes. And when I rewatch them now, whenever we do a rewatch on Max or watching these specials on Disney Plus, and I have a soundbar now, I, I think everything's been been pretty good. Actually, Mike's a happy camper, so everything's okay. <laughs> That's I'm, all that matters. Exactly. I mean, going back to the score, let's talk about the score for a minute, because <sighs> this is very different from the Star Beast score, and I loved it. I mean, it, it was very haunting and kind of spare, and I thought very keeping with the episode. And this was a problem I had in Chris Chibnall's era, is that I felt like the music didn't line up with the episode. It wasn't that the music itself was bad, but it didn't always feel like it connected with the episode and I have not felt that way at all about either star beast or wildly yonder. What do you guys think? No, I think the music has been fantastic. It's come up a notch and it's interesting how much homage it pays to the early part of the new series. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, thank goodness for Murray Colt, as we like to say. I think one of the complaints that was kind of lodged against Murray Gold, especially towards the end of uh, his run, was that the music was instructing the audience what to feel. It was sort of creating the emotional cues. And I haven't felt that at all in this one. I felt that it it pairs really well with the action that's on the screen. So I'm I'm really happy. And just as you a uh, couple of you have mentioned, we're getting variants on earlier Doctor Who themes. In uh, particularly in Starbeast, there was a couple of really good ones. And that's always nice because fans who are familiar with it, who pick up musical cues, will get that kind of hint to the past, that nostalgic mm -hmm. jaunt that we really like. So, I, I yeah, I agree. Uh, Mary, I think this is really exceptional. I was a little ambivalent when they said Gold was coming back, but I'm I'm quite happy because it feels of a part to have Tenet and Tate and Davies and Gold together, and and a lot of the pr original production company from Bad Wolf, so uh, that's all really good because it really feels like it is both what we loved about that, assuming you liked it, uh, as well as something <laughs> new because everyone's bringing because so much time has passed, right? It's like everyone has matured, everyone's gotten better at their, you know, he's become a better composer. We've got better writers, or or the writers have gotten better because Davies has written a lot of diverse stuff. Since leaving Doctor Who, <laughs> and he's he's clearly bringing that to the projects uh, in a way because he's got the clout now. Where with all the awards that he's won, he can then take a flagship show, you know, 
one of the, if not the premier genre fiction show on the planet and really uh, wield it in the way that he wants to. No, agreed. Agreed, agreed. Any final thoughts before we wrap up this episode? I actually love that Donna, when they were talking about her being a difficult child, that she was born in Southampton. Then what we originally thought, I was like, oh my gosh, wow, there's a Southampton reference. Like the references to Donna's childhood and like the nuance of her character, I really loved seeing that because it was just like, oh, cool. This is this is what I want to see more of. Oh, very much so. Agreed. And how how many people think that there's going to now be a ton of memes of David Tennant with wrapping his body with his head coming out between his legs? <laughs> that crab walk was exceptional. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the contortionists on this one uh, that really had their work cut out for them. <laughs> Jen, I, I want to just bounce off what you just said too. Um, this is a, another a, exemplification of what Davies does so well is that it ties the genre science fiction show filled with these huge ideas to very small but dramatic family moments and character moments too. And that's what Davies is the best of all the Doctor Who writers because, you know, we have moments in Chibnall where the Doctor refers to her companions as the fam. Mm -hmm. But honestly, it only feels like it in name only. Here mm -hmm. we actually have these moments where we see the Doctor interacting with a character or – I mean, the messy bits of a family. Families aren't just all lovely. Again, I don't want to slag on Chibnall because there are those moments where every time we met Yaz's family, there's all of these um, interactions that are, are quite unique. I just never really stuck on them and stayed with them for very long. No, um, but, but the thing is, you know, that, that goes into even how the doctor during Chibnall's era wasn't really able to relate to the companions either. You know, look at with Graham and his cancer. And, you know, when he tried opening up to her about it, he, you know, she couldn't respond to it. If it was any of the other doctors with better writing, it probably was, would have been done a lot better. Yeah. Knock on that. Sadly. Um, I, even much as I like to, in, in as a viewer, I didn't like the fact that the doctor was emotionally unavailable, but that's a character choice. And mm -hmm. you did say all the other doctors, would have opened and you're right that but that does make Whitaker's doctor different and it is important that you know the doctors are allowed to stand apart or have something oh very much uh, so I, I do think it was very hard to pin down the thing that Jodie Whitaker's doctor was uh and that is a problem with writing but I, I get it I didn't love it either um from a writing standpoint or from a character standpoint but I also know people who are emotionally unavailable and that is just who they are and we have to accept it so um that's uh, a different knit to pick. Oh, of course. And I don't get me wrong. I love Jodie's doctor. I think she was awesome. She was, you know, to me, I think she was the best part about the last three years of Doctor Who. And the thing is, as we always like to say, Doctor Who is always about change. And if you don't like what's going on on the series now, wait a year, wait two years. It's going to change again. And over the last 60 years, it's changed immensely. It constantly changes. The only thing that's consistent is the outside of the TARDIS. And even that changes. So yeah, and it, well. it sings into the wild blue yonder too. So it's okay. <laughs> and it, and it, and it runs away when there's trouble. Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I love Jodie Whittaker. I can't say that I loved her doctor at all times, but I love Jodie Whittaker. It wasn't her fault. Um, let's put it that way. No. Um, and uh, and regarding, you know, Russell T character moments, I mean, character is his thing. Like, it's just that's his strong point. And he's this is an episode that really goes to his strength. I'm glad he stayed focused on it uh, to tell this story with these characters, with these. Yeah. With these just these two characters. And you get great character moments that I think we will remember for the doctor and for Donna, it increases, I think, our our thoughts about both of them, both in the scenes that we have with them, in their interactions with each other, and in their, you know, when when they are actually doing things in action. We get to learn about characters while they're doing stuff, which is, I mean, it sounds like an easy thing to do, but 
<laughs> other showrunners have proven that it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we, we definitely proved that it's not. <laughs> and you know what? I will even say, as much as a fan of of Muffet as I am overall, more so than Russell, I would say that this is Russell's strength over over Stevens. Interesting. All right. Let's go ahead and rate. One out of five Tardises, one being the worst, five being the best. Drew, you're first. And we do half Tardises as well? You can. Yes, you can yes, even you, do can, quarter you can even do quarter. Yeah, I, I, so for me, it's probably either a four or four and a half. Um, it, it's definitely not a perfect, and, and when I think of the Doctor Who episodes that are perfect episodes for me, this one doesn't even approach them, but it's really enjoyable. So I think the problem I'm having is it's so very different from everything that we've had that's come before it. And what we've had in the last couple of years. So I feel like there's a little bit of newness to it that's kind of skewing it. So I might, you know, I'm just going to say, I'm going to err on the side of caution and say four out of five TARDISes. Okay, cool. Shannon. I'm going to also say four, just because my brain seriously got stuck on the TARDIS playing the Air Force song and the British children singing it. And I was like, why? <laughs> I, um, I like the backstory and the character nuance that made it just wonderful for me. And I even like the spaciousness of the set, even though you, you know, you did point out the CGI aspect of it. To me, it looked very roomy, like there was a lot that could be possible. I like the possibility of it, but it still wasn't my favorite episode, which that goes way back to like Amy and Rory. So. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Agreed. 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 So I, I agree with that. All right. Mr. Mike, what about you? Uh, I think I'm staying in the four camp. Um, yeah, we'll say four for this one. It's strong. Um, it, uh, it plays off the, the, the last episode really well. I think, you know, we'll see when all three of these are, are finished when it reaches its conclusion next week. Um, cause I do think that it'll conclude next week. I don't think, even though we're getting Christmas with Shudi, I think, I think it'll be a different, I, hopefully it'll be a different story and, and all of that. We'll move on. We'll move forward from there. But who knows? Uh, we're getting, you know, four weeks in a row of Doctor Who. Wow. Um, and so, but in, until every, like, because this opens up a lot of doors, uh, even more so, I think, than the last episode did. And in, and I, I don't know if a lot of them are going to be addressed in the next episode. So, yeah, I can't quite say it's like the the best of the best, but it's it's really solid. Cool. Mary. I think I'm going to give it a four and a half. I mean, I really, really enjoyed this episode. Uh, it's very intriguing. I think there's a lot um, sort of going on underneath the surface that's probably going to get addressed, at least I hope it is, in, in the third episode, The Giggle, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, we didn't really mention there's a lot of repeating elements here that might lead to something like the glass wall coming down, the the airplane crashing, which mirrors the spaceship crashing, crashing, which is like a real Donna trope thing. So um, yeah, it just uh, it intrigues the the heck out of me, and I'm I'm just you know it was totally enjoyable. The acting, it, David and and. Catherine are are absolutely amazing in it. Absolutely, I mean, watch it just for that. So yeah, I think it it's it well deserves a, at least four and a half. Okay, awesome. I'm also going to do four and a half. I enjoyed it. I liked it even more when I saw it the second time, and it it definitely makes me go. There has to be, I think there's something a lot more going on behind the scenes than we haven't seen yet. And we might come back to you next week and go, oh, yes, it was a that didn't go anywhere. When <laughs> Eric yet. had nothing to do. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time, folks, we've done that, that we've way overthought it. And you know what? It's always fun to just to talk about Doctor Who and everything. So speaking of Doctor Who, we have the date and time for the Christmas special. Obviously, we knew it was Christmas Day. It's going to be the 25th of December, and it is going to be shown at 5.55 in the UK. So that means 12.55 here on the East Coast of the US. So, and as Disney is going with what they've been doing, it's going to be 
right on time, you know, same time. So we'll have, you know, right in t right time for Christmas lunch, or as some of my friends say, when they're just getting up on Christmas day. So <laughs> <laughs> it'll be fun to watch Dr. Who. So folks, thank you so much for joining us. We enjoy coming to you guys all the time. We have a lot coming up in 2024. So stick with us. We do appreciate you. Always, if you get a chance, please subscribe, like, you know, you've made it this far into the show, you know, please give us five stars. We would appreciate it. You know, one for each feedback, of us. you know, what's up, Mike? One for each of us. One for each of us. That's right. One star for each of us. Exactly. No half stars for any of us here. No. So it's, it's awesome. You know, say, think, for, think of us as your favorite restaurant. Five star. You know, it's always a good thing. So, folks, we do appreciate you guys. Feedback at our station, who is the best way to get in touch with us. If you enjoy our show, why not join our ESO Network Patreon? You get the show two days early. And you know what? You get some really cool ESO Network stuff going on. You get exclusive episodes. We got some really cool stuff planned for 2024 for our patrons. So, definitely check it out. Just go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. And for as little as a dollar a month, you too can help support the ESO Network which our station who is a proud member of us as always. We will be back again next week. So please, we got the giggle next week and the world is falling apart. So it is going to be a lot of fun to see how this all wraps up, see the regeneration. And, you know, I want to know how the TARDIS gets a jukebox in it, you know, because I've seen the pictures already and there's, <laughs> there's a jukebox in there. So, so I think it's going to be totally fun. All right, let's thank everyone for being here. Drew, thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Anything you want to promote real quick? Well, uh, not to promote other podcasts on the podcast, but if you want to hear me talk more about Doctor Who, you can find me on one of my three monthly Doctor Who podcasts, Who in Company with Brent Johnson, where we interview a guest that we know through Doctor Who. Uh, previous guests include Sophie Aldred, Douglas McKinnon, Louis Davison, William Russell, Michael Troughton. Uh, so we always have a good fun time with that one you can also be found on the doctor who podcast out of the uk uh and occasionally on reality bomb so a lot of doctor who this is this is like christmas for us when we <laughs> we, we talk about it on a regular so uh we're kind of spreading the wealth and the love so oh, how do you think we feel this is just no I, that's what i'm saying yeah we're the universal royal we here uh at this i point. know because we've had over a year of having to do old episodes or oh what are we going to talk about uh, i guess we're going to do a big finish or we're going to have to do mm. a book or oh no seventh doctor and or, hey, listen when you've got 60 years of doctor who across every form of media uh, you can do that when you have a year and a half between episodes. Oh, I know. That's why I'm never worried about us ever running <laughs> up stuff and talking about Trial of the Time Lord. So it's okay. So awesome. Shannon, thank you so much for being with us. I hope you enjoyed yourself. It was so fun. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no, it, any way, you know, anything you want to promote, anything you want to shout out about? Um, not so much promote, but shout out about. I'm really grateful that the Louisiana chapter of my fraternity, the Odd Fellows, is going to be participating in the UN Pilgrimage for Youth. Basically, we send a child uh, to the ages of 16 and 17 to sit in on a UN session and talk about foreign policy, um, politics, anything that could be affecting our youth. And so I think that's really wonderful. Oh, that is awesome. That is really, really cool. Yeah. That, that is very, very cool. If you want, we can uh, put a link up to it in our show notes so people could find out more about that. Cool. I'll send you the link. <laughs> I appreciate it. And Mr. Mike, we've made it through another one, my friend. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Thank you so, so much for everything. And as always, and as we get closer to the holidays, we're going to be more and more spirited on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Spirited. Uh, We're more drunk. I mean, spirited. spirited. <laughs> spirited. So there you go. And Mary, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Another great episode. I am just so excited to have New Who back and for it to be so good. It's been really wonderful. And how can people find your artwork? They can find me at maryogle.com or on Etsy at eVision Arts. Excellent. Thank you, everyone out there for listening. Thank you, everyone, for being here and enjoying us ramble about Doctor Who. It's always so much fun to do, especially New Who. So, because it's, it's great because it's like, I've never seen this one. This is good, you know. 
And it's, you know, my biggest regret with this next weekend's episode, in all truth, with Doctor Who is they didn't release in an animated version of the Celestial Toy Maker. I think that would have been perfect for the 60th anniversary. Yeah, that's too bad. It would have been pretty awesome if they could have done that. But, you know, I'm still not grasping at anything. I'm <laughs> with what we got here, folks. So on behalf of myself and everyone else here on the crew, see you next week, folks. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from throughout space and time. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individuals and are to be used for entertainment value alone. You can subscribe to our show wherever fine podcasts are found or check out our website, earthstationwho.com. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook or Instagram. And if you enjoyed the show, please write to us at feedback at earthstationwho.com. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you on the next journey of Earth Station Who. All right, monkeying around, start talking. Mr. About your podcast. We talk about an Emmy-winning comedy series. We talk about a band who outdoled the Beatles and the Stones in 1967. Still sticking to that story, huh? Well, if you know what's good for you, you'll change your tune. We talk about a groundbreaking multimedia project. That inspired generations of artists and fans. All right, throw the book at them. This book is overdue. Monkeying around, a podcast about the monkeys. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.